All right. So in your books, page 10, you can make notes on page 9, and sorry, on page 10 you can make notes that the title for this week is, I am a saint and he is my savior. Isn't that beautiful? I am God, I am a saint and Jesus is my savior. Savior. Now, there was a whole introduction that I'm not going to do and a recap from last week, which I'm not going to do. Do you understand? Just because of time. You know the identity gap of the two circles. This is what God says about me. This is what I believe about myself. Truth that I've got in my heart is where those two circles line up. Lies is where I'm believing stuff about myself and the devil is telling me and God says something different. And that's my identity gap. And I want to live like this where they're lining up. And this identity series is about us lining up. I'm shocked as I go through the series at the gaps that are still in my life. And if you're honest with yourself, you should also be like, wow, there's things that I've got to adjust. Am I right? So I want you to think about this. Now, when the Bible speaks about a saint, and when we mention the word saint, what do you think about? What do you think about? Because we've heard about Saint Francis of Assisi. I think Mother Teresa was just made a saint. Am I right? We read about St. Paul, St. Peter, St. James. These people have um, cities named after themselves. St. Petersburg is in Russia and is named after St. Peter. Yes? So a thousand years ago or so in church history, the church decided that there would be a process of honoring people who lived really, really holy lives, and they would give, be given an official title of saint. The process evolved over time, but this is what needed to happen for you to be a saint. Number one, you had to be dead for at least five years. Number two, the life of the person had to be investigated to see if there was sufficient holiness and virtue in their lives to be called a saint. Number three, their influence was looked at. Did they draw other people by their example into Christian, Christianity? Number four, there had to be two documented miracles attributed to this individual to show that God had heard their prayers. In other words, God hears your prayers based on your holiness. Nonsense. God hears the prayers of sinners. Number five, if all of that lined up, then they could be called saints. So, this is what happens. Now, have you heard the expression, I'm no saint, in the English as we talk? What does that mean? I'm not perfect, am I right? Okay, they're saying there's weakness, there's flaws in me, and we're not perfect. So, in other words, the word saint means a really, really holy person that doesn't make too many mistakes. Now surely, as you sit there today, and as I stand here before you, if that's what it is, then I'm telling you, I'm no saint. Are you a saint? Okay. On the old 1,000 year old church definition of a saint, are you a saint? No, hell no, okay. But then why does the Bible say, listen to this, in Ephesians chapter 1, the chapter that we are speaking to on this identity series, listen to what it says, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15, for this reason, we'll read from verse 1, 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints, in brackets, in the NIV, God's holy people who are in Ephesus. Verse 15, for this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord and your love to all this, towards all the saints of God's people in Ephesus. In Ephesians 2, 19. So you are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints, in brackets, God's holy people. So Paul writing to the Ephesians, and he says, the whole church, you saints. You saints, all of them. So we've got what the church did a thousand, incidentally what they did a thousand years ago was a thousand years after Jesus came. So up until then, the Bible was calling all people in the church saints. Then the church in their wonderful brilliance says, no, we're only going to call some people saints. And he has, the, he has the measure, boom, boom, boom. But the Bible says you're a saint. Now all of these verses that I've read to you are speaking to the Christ followers in their church. Some have only been a saint for one day, born again for one day. Others might have been for many years. But God calls all of them saints. Now watch here. Just for further clarity, these people were not perfect. Because in the same letter to the Ephesians, in verse 18, listen to what Paul says to these same people. In chapter 4, verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander. So these people in the church, these saints, they are bitter. They walk in in unforgiveness. There's anger, unresolved anger issues in their life. There's brawling. They're, bond, they're boxing. They're, 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 going, they're having fights. They, they're slandering one another. They're speaking against one another, attacking one another's characters. In verse 15, he says to them, don't get drunk on wine. Woo! They're drinking too much. Now listen, in this church, we don't believe that drinking alcohol is a sin. But we believe that drunkenness is a sin. And also we believe that if, if, if you have people in your home and you know they were alcoholics, my friend, don't drink in front of them, please, for goodness sake, because you're going to cause your brother to stumble. But Paul is telling these saints, don't pusa <laughs> too much. Don't get drunk. Do they sound like saints to you, Chris? They don't sound like saints. So now what is this? So can I help us with this? Who wants to hear this? Zander, did you, have you got that? Did you get my message about that Charles Persians quote? Just put up that Charles Persians quote for me quickly, please. I want you to read this. Now what is salvation? Some people think that it means being saved from going down to hell. That is the result of salvation. But salvation means being saved from the power of sin. Being saved from the tendency to sin, and as well as being saved from the punishment of sin. You see, going down to hell is the punishment of sin. When you get born again, the gospel presents to you this hope. Number one. You get saved. So you move from being a sinner to being a saint. You get a new identity. Number two, there's going to be this process in your life where God is going to purify your, your mind, will, and emotions, and you are going to be saved from the power of sin's influence. Sin is not going to have the same hold on you as it did when you first got saved. Frank and Rosie, the little baby, just got born. 
And then Benicio, he's cruising around just somewhere. How old is Benicio, but Two and a half. The little baby just got born. It's three, four days old. That baby has got, have we got a name yet? No name brand. Okay. <laughs> Frank and Rosie's little girl, they're still praying for a name. It's an important thing, so I'd rather take time to find the name. Are you with me? She's powerless to the things in the world. She needs mom and dad to look after her. Ben is a little bit older. He doesn't need as much attention. Now I've got Kimberly and Michael sitting in the front row. Kimberly's 21 and Michael's 20. Am I right? Have I got it right? Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you, they are way more in terms of their ability to be independent. So life's, the danger in life and the protection they need from us now is not what they used to be before. So when, when people get saved, put the thing up again, please, uh, Linda. The power of sin, as you become a Christian, as you mature, sin's power over you gets less and less and less and less, if you understand what sin is. But if you don't understand what sin is and you say, that's not sin, and I can just live like that, how can you be delivered from its power? Impossible. Yes? And then being saved from the tendency to sin. There's a, as you sit there now, are you honest enough with me and yourself to admit that there's something in you that still wants to sin from time to time? I can be honest with you, even as a pastor, I have to fight that thing. And there's not a person on the planet except for Jesus, because Jesus did not have a sinful nature that doesn't have that same tendency. So we must learn to master sin. When you get saved, you're forgiven of your sins, all of them. Then God's going to deliver you from the power of sin, amen? And then God's going to deliver you from the tendency to sin. Paul writes this and he says, do not use your freedom for the sinful nature to indulge in its lusts. God didn't set you free from sin for you to go wallow back into it. Because what benefit, Paul says, did you reap from that life of sin? Guys, I'd, when I was drinking, I, thank God I never did drugs, but when I was drinking and when I was going out and I was living and when I was in business and I was lying and stealing and cheating, let me tell you, all of my regrets of my whole life are from then. All of my regrets came when I was buchai. Or when I was in a big deal and now I've got to make some compromises to get the deal. And then I lose the money anyway. But as I've matured, as I've made godly decisions, and I've, as I've chosen to line up with God and His Word, I'm telling you, my friends, I have no regrets. I've got no regrets. I've got no regrets that I've chosen to be faithful to Myra. I've never been unfaithful to Myra my whole life. Have I looked at pornography? Yes. Since I was married? Yes. But do I fight that thing with everything inside of me? Yes. Have I got men in my life that I'm accountable to, that I go to when I sin, and I say, guys, this is what's happened. Do I go to my wife and I say, I need you to sow. Myra, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I fell. Yes. Does that make me a bad man? Does that make me an unsaint? No. 
the fact that I'm involved in the battle, the fact that I'm fighting against that sin. Well, uh, this, the scripture that um, Murray read today, Deuteronomy 20, I'm fighting, sin is bigger than me, sin is bigger than you. But God comes and he empowers you with victory over that thing. You're not a slave to sin. You're not a slave to sin. You do not belong to sin. You were bought with a price. You belong to Jesus, and he loves you, and you have got the power to live in victory over that sin, and you fight it for the rest of your life. Amen? That's, my friend, the hope that is held out in the gospel. So now, put up the slide, please, for me, Zana. Just put up the last one because of time. I want, I'll explain this little picture to you. BC stands for before you were saved, number one. That's you in the world then, am I right? The cross, and that point number two is the time you get forgiven. And what happens when you get forgiven? One, you get a new identity. I can't judge those two salvations, Steve. But if they are genuinely saved, I'm telling you, they are forgiven. They are sons of God. They just... I don't know what Bible they're reading, but they're just not listening to the Bible in that area of their life. And I get it. I get the, the lie of the devil and to the confusion that comes with it. I totally get it. But I, just because I get it doesn't mean I can say, it's okay. Do you understand? You, be, you get a new identity, and what's that identity? The three that we've looked at firstly. You become a son of God. You were a child of Satan, now you're a child of God. You were a, a servant of sin, now you're a servant of God. This week, you were a sinner, but now you get a new identity. You're a saint. You have been made holy. Amen? And number three, the Bible calls that justified. And you know what that is? Just as if you never sinned. My dad was a fornicator, guys. My dad was an adulterer. He told my mom, I love you, I love my boys, but I've got to have my girlfriends on the side. My mom baptized him in our bath in Port Elizabeth, and a month later he died at 42 of a heart attack. Now I think to myself, you know, I think, I don't know if he was going to make the journey and make all the changes. So I think God saw the flower and picked it straight away. And said, I'll take you home now, because you're saved. But if he was still living today, he would have had to adjust his lifestyle. Amen? I'm forgiven. Won't you please bring me a dishcloth there from the back? Thanks, bud. So that's, I'm justified. Just as if I never said, don't worry about it. This number three, this position number three, guys. Now, you, may, you know, this is what happens. There we go. Here it comes. Thanks, buddy. You know the prodigal son series we did? And remember the robe? God clothes you in a robe of Jesus' righteousness. You remember my story with the water? Jesus covers you. That's being born again. Your spirit is born again. But your mind, your will, your emotions, your thinking, is that transformed? No. That's not transformed. Now what you're going to do, you're going to learn God's new ways. He's going to, now if you quickly page back in your Bible, go to page number seven. How do I get to know my father better? One, spend time with him daily. Two, read his word. Three, talk with him. Four, listen to his voice. Five, connect with his family. Come to church. 
as I come to church, as I pray, as I read my Bible, my mind starts to change. I don't change the Word of God to line up with my lifestyle. I don't change the Word of God to line up with my preferences. No, I change my life, and He purifies me, and He makes me holy. I start to live a holy life. I'm already holy because of my new identity, but now I start to clean up my life by the power of His Spirit. And what I am on the outside starts to come into my mind, my will, my emotions, and I'm being transformed. And that's the question I was asked today. Where do you stand on this? And I had to say, no, we're going to have to transform. Do you understand me? The Bible calls that being sanctified. It's not got nothing to do with your spirit. When your spirit is born again, instantaneously it's saved. It's got to do with your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you renew your mind through the washing of the word. You renew your mind through prayer, worship, and come into church. If you were not here today, you could not hear this. Amen. And that's what it means to be sanctified. And then lastly, as I bring it to a close, one day the Bible says, now the sunrise there, that thing, promotion, you know what promotion is? You die. You die. Promotion is you die. We don't have funerals in this church. We have promotions. Amen? Luke is going to speak to you next week on eternal life, living for a life with eternity in mind. We have to live there. And the Bible says, number four, when you die, what happens? In an instant, boom, Michael, our bodies are transformed. And we translate it into God's realm. In that realm, the Bible says there's no more sin, sickness, sorrow, dying, or pain. The old order of things has passed, and behold, a new order has come. My spirit is perfect. My body, I get a transformed body. Jesus' resurrected body. Do you know that Jesus' body could work through walls? I can't, but he could. But with that body that walked through walls, he could eat fish. He could drink in front of them. They could put his finger in their side, in his side, where the pierce was. He could, they could put his finger in the hole in his body. Now, guys, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm just telling you, your body's totally transformed. It's perfect. And your mind, your soul, it's also perfectly aligned. It's a realm where there's no sin, and the Bible calls it glorification. Amen? Now, my friends, that's the hope that we have as Christians. We are saved. We are being saved. And one day, we'll be completely saved, body, soul, and spirit. And that's why the Bible calls you what? A saint. Because God always speaks with you based on your future and based on your spirit. And now your mind, your will, your emotions, and your body will catch up along the way. But guys, if we don't be clear on sin, then there's no transforming for you. Because then who sets the standard? I don't set the standard. I must hold the standard. Do you know what the standard is? Here's the standard. What does the Bible stand for? Basic instructions before leaving earth. I didn't write this book. My job is to uphold this book. It's truth and it's love. To lo God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. God loves sinners and he doesn't want them to stay in sin. He wants them to be transformed. I love sinners and I don't want them to stay in sin. I want them to be transformed. But I cannot say 
Sin is not sin when the Bible says it's sin. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet?